Welcome. Welcome to Transformation Intensive, fourth movement, week 25, Nourishment for Mission. I can't believe it's week 25. There's only 28, right? 20? Okay. Well, I want to welcome you and by saying, welcome weaklings. Uh, because that's what we are, and, um, and I'm hoping that your prayer, it's you know, we're through with Lent, we're in the season of the resurrection, and I hope you realize that we are weak, right, and we need the power of the resurrection in our lives. Um, a lot of us, and I'm, I'm one of those people, I, I don't like to think of myself as a weakling, I like to think of myself as strong, capable, uh, I'm going to put up a picture of me in my most capable, my superhero suit, yeah, that's as good as it gets, folks, all right? From a few years back, you're embarrassing me right from the get-go. The reason I put that up is, one, so you'd be very impressed, but because it is really an embarrassing picture. I mean, I have to trot that out about, well, that's the last time, so that's the last known sighting. <laughs> it's embarrassing because I know what the inside looks like. All right, put up the next slide. That's what the inside looks like. I don't know if you can see that. That's Rembrandt's picture of, of the disciples in the boat being tossed around on the Sea of Galilee. Right? And um, I can tell you that picture of me in my white, Satan is not in the least afraid of that picture, okay, or that person or that outfit, right? My... Uh, I had a, an Orthodox chaplain buddy, and he used to, he'd stand up when he was going to go off to do service, and he'd say, time to put on the sin fighter suit. <laughs> and he'd go off into the sacristy, you know. I mean, none of that impresses Satan, you know. I, I, it's tried to impress the public with it. But the inside, I know what I'm like on the inside. And, I, you know, I'm a person, I struggle with fear. You know, if you know anything about the Enneagram, I'm a six on the Enneagram, which is their, their subconscious sin pattern is being fearful. So I'm kind of a counterphobic six, which means you do all the things you're afraid of just because it makes you mad. Um, <laughs> but put up the next slide. I like this picture a lot. I, I haven't got a copy, so I'm just zooming in on Jesus. And I like it because you know, it's nautical, of course. And if you've ever been in a storm at sea, I don't care how big the ship is. If it's a real storm, it's scary. I've been scared on aircraft carriers, and they're over 1,000 feet long, all right? I mean, it is really scary. You realize just how out of control you really are. And, and that, that's why I love this picture. I don't, you, know, I don't, you really can't see it that well. You know, sometimes I'm the guy hanging over the rail there, right? You know, going, Bleh, right? Uh, sometimes I'm the guy at the tiller, you know, like, oh, yeah, if I can just steer it a little more this way, we'll be good to go. You know, I, I oscillate all these people, and you can look, and they say Rembrandt paints himself into every painting, and he's the one holding on to that, that halyard there, you know, with this going like this. He's like, oh, my gosh. 
But the person I'd really like to be is the one guy who's got his hand on Christ's shoulder. I mean, that's really who I want to be, and that's why I say welcome weaklings today, because, I mean, we really are. We really are weaklings. We do not have power in and of ourselves. It's all derived, right? It's all derived. When I, when I wear my uniform, the power that comes from that is derived. It's completely derived. It comes from, you know, down the chain of command to me. I'm not really anybody. I mean, we have standing only because we are God's adopted children created in the image of God. That's who we are. That gives us standing. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I love the part that we're in, we're in the time of the resurrection now. You know, we've finished Lent. Sometimes I, I think we get the focus reverse, right? We, on Lent, we really bear down. Now I think when we're in the resurrection time is when we really ought to bear down, right? Bear down in entreating Christ to give us his power, right? What was the promise? And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts, right? From Acts chapter 1. We're not superheroes. I, I, I wrote this down. I thought it was actually clever. We're not superheroes. We're meant to be servant heroes. I, I, that really strikes me. It's all derived power from Christ. Servant heroes. This is why, I mean, Paul writes things like in 2 Corinthians, my grace is sufficient. Right? My power is made perfect in weakness. Right? Weakness. It really eliminates the chest thumping. It makes the medals kind of embarrassing. All right? We know where the power really comes from. So what I'm going to ask you to do is we're going to do a little bit of an examine together. So set your stuff aside. You're not going to need to write anything down. Afterwards, I'll give you a chance to write in your journal if there's something that comes to you. But I just want to take uh, two, two, I'm going to ask you a question and give you two minutes, and then another question and give you two more minutes, all right? So, so an example of the examine, you've been doing it for a while now, but, you know, from the picture, go back through your day and ask yourself, where did I feel like I was engulfed by the storm? Where do I feel like I was engulfed by the storm? Just take two minutes. Think back through your day. Let the Spirit lead you.
And for the second part, I'd like you to go back through your day asking yourself the question, when did I feel weak but connected with Christ in the storm? When did I feel weak but connected with Christ in the storm? And then let me close us with a, a verse and then a prayer. And the verse is from 2 Corinthians 12, which says, For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities, which sound like storms to me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's pray. Lord God, we ask your help to see the risen Christ amidst the storms that will come tomorrow. Amen. Uh, you can take a minute, and if the Lord gave you anything, you can make a note of it in your journal.
Good evening. We're going to do a guided meditation uh, from the story in John 21. It's a very familiar story. You may have already used it in some of your prayers. But before we jump into it, I want to kind of set it up a little bit for you. So the first thing I want you to remember is this is a true story. John said so himself. He said, I eyewitness, and I'm testifying this actually happened. The second thing is kind of a spoiler. Um, Partway through the story, a man that was previously dead walks into the scene. Now hold those two together. The story is true, (laughs) and a man who was previously dead walks into the story. Why does that not make us, make our jaw drop? Why doesn't that have more of an impact on us than just, you know, it does as we read quickly through the story? Well, a couple things. Maybe we're too familiar with it. Maybe we've been reading this story since we were children, and as children, we just accepted anything. Uh, and then by the time we got to be the, the cynical age, uh, it, was, it was just something that we held on to. It's just okay. Or Val mentioned it last, last uh, week, Maybe it's too far out of our reality. It's just too, too far to get there. Uh, or maybe it's because in our culture today, we do have walking dead <laughs> and zombie apocalypse. So I don't know what it is, but there's something about it that just leaves it kind of out there. So to maybe kind of bring it into a present day reality, I want you to try something just for a moment. Uh, Think of someone you were close to who has passed away. Now, we believe in the resurrection of the dead. We say it every week in our creed. Just for a moment, imagine that person stepping back into your life. Right here, uh, when you go out to your car or something, think of the reaction that you would have. (laughs) Yeah, that is what the disciples... (laughs) experienced. What would you say to them? What would be your first two questions? I'm getting goosebumps on the back of my neck just just asking you to go there. How long would it be until you remembered an unresolved conflict that you had with that person that you hadn't had to deal with because they passed? It would be like the 800-pound gorilla in the room at that point because they're back. That's what the disciples were experiencing. So maybe that helps you frame it. Maybe that helps you step into this in a little different way. I'm going to read the passage all the way through, uh, and then I'll walk you through a guided meditation. One of the problems with guided meditations is the guide might want to lead you where you don't want to go. <laughs> That's okay. Um, you can get off the bus anytime that you need to and go your own route. The idea is just to be open to, to what's moving within you. Uh, so I'm going to read the passage through, and, and maybe as I read it, find something or a scene or a, a word that catches your attention so you'll be looking forward, you'll be anticipating when I get to that part in the guided meditation. Then it's almost like, oh yeah, I want to go back there. Uh, and then I'll walk you through a, a meditation. 
After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, nope. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that, it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, came in with the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Join me in prayer. Begin by joining the group of disciples gathered on the beach at the Sea of Tiberias. Notice the weather, the temperature, the wind, the sand, the birds. Can you smell the sea? Try to make this picture come alive. Peter says, I'm going fishing. Why does Peter want to go fishing? Is this a coping mechanism? His favorite diversion? Ask him, Peter, why do you want to go fishing? Since Peter is probably persistent, climb into the boat with the others. Who are you in the cast of characters? 
Are you one of the disciples or are you there as yourself? Is there enough room in the boat for you? As the boat is set out to sea, what is the emotion or the mood or the conversation of the disciples? Is it friendly or are they bickering? It's a very long night on a very small boat. Are all the disciples actively fishing or only a few? It's a very long night on a very small boat without any fish. Does the frustration show up? Do hidden conflicts erupt between the disciples? What is it like for you? You've been on this boat all night long. What have you been thinking about? Have you been chatting with the disciples? What have you been asking them? Are you comfortable with the company of the disciples? Are you, or are you anxious for, for mourning? As the sun rises, turn your attention to the shore. Do you see the man on the beach? Does he see you? What are the disciples mumbling about when they first noticed the man on the beach?
when the man calls out, children, do you have any fish? What is mumbled along with the audible response of no? When the man calls out, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some, how do the disciples react to this unsolicited advice? What is your response? What is it about the man on the shore that convinces you or the disciples that he is indeed the Lord Jesus? When you realize it's the, it's the Lord, do you want to rush to shore or do you want to hang out in the boat? Finally, gather with Jesus and the others around the fire. Since they knew it was the Lord but were afraid to ask, what was the conversation about? Or was there silence? If there was silence, was it a calm and peaceful silence or was it an uneasy silence? When Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish, imagine he serves each one individually in turn, as he has done this before. As you see him approaching Peter, what do you see in Peter's body language? How does Peter react as Jesus approaches him?
as Jesus continues around the circle and he approaches you to serve you fish and bread, what is going through your mind? Do your eyes meet or do you avoid his glance? As he serves you, what do you want to say to Jesus? And what does Jesus want to say back to you? John writes, this is the disciple who is testifying to these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Amen. Uh, take about seven uh, minutes and write in your journal anything that you want to remember, perhaps pray with more at a later time, and then I'll introduce next week to you.
if you're following along, we're on page 117 in our TI notebooks. Uh, week 25, Nourishment for Mission. Um, I want to bring just a couple of things to your um, attention. Uh, and the, the first is just the big idea that uh, we have been encountering the risen Christ through all of the prayer exercises of the transformation intensive. So it's not as though the Jesus that we were praying with before was somehow um, not yet raised from the dead. It's because Jesus is raised from the dead that he can meet us so powerfully and profoundly in all the gospel stories and reveal his humanity to us. And um, this continues as we start to get this glimpse of the resurrected humanity of this uh, person who still um, eats and uh, drinks and talks and walks and does all those things. So we continue to enter even more deeply into this revelation of Jesus' humanity, in this case, his, his uh, glorified humanity. Um, and then the second is related to the title of this week, which is Nourishment for Mission. It's so interesting, the symbols of food that are so much a part of the passion story and then also of the resurrection. Um, the consolation that the disciples are entering into as they uh, begin to let the reality of the risen Christ be with them. You think of the like the interchange with Peter um, where Jesus will, you know, really console him and comfort him, heal that wound that exists there because of uh, Peter's betrayal, and then he says, feed my sheep. And so there is this, just this simplicity that the consolation of the resurrected Christ the outcome of that consolation is actually this movement towards, towards mission, towards what it is that um, God has for us in the world, the spheres of influences where he asks us to bring, um, to bring his presence. So it may be as, you're, as we're kind of closing in on the end of uh, the transformation intensive, any kind of... Um, discernment questions that you were bringing are big questions. You know, Lord, how is it you're using me in my life right now? Uh, for those of us who are, you know, this is not the first time around the block trying to figure out what the Lord wants us to do. Or maybe you're more at the beginning. You're, at, you know, getting ready to graduate from college, something like that. And uh, you're kind of at the beginning. Lord, what do you have for me? Uh, regardless of where we are, I think all of us are discerning this sense of like, Lord, where do you want me to be giving? Where is all this consolation pointing toward? So let me just bring that to your awareness. No, no pressure, but it's just something to be aware of. And then um, just to remind us that we, in all of these contemplations of the resurrected Christ, uh, we're responding to God's self-disclosure of himself to us. Um, it's not us trying to figure out, you know, what does the fact that Jesus eats mean about uh, the resurrection of the body? You know, some sort of abstract theological question. Uh, but instead, we're, we're letting God reveal God's self to us as we pray. And um, 
I think one of the things that's, that's been very profound to me is that even though we're asking these questions about mission, we don't actually um, leave behind the sense of being deeply loved by God. Um, in fact, some of those graces of the first, the first movement, uh, knowing myself to be beloved, this should actually become stronger as we get into uh, the, the, the end of the spiritual exercises instead of, well, back when I had the luxury of just feeling loved before I knew what my mission was, you know, um, that's not how it is. It's not just like the luxury of being loved and then, you know, get on with it already, you know. Um, this, this, this reality of being so deeply loved by God, we should actually keep circling around and coming back into it and it getting deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, if you're worried about, you know, missing, missing, you know, the word that God has for you in terms of your mission, uh, the place to find it is actually maybe not to worry about it, um, but to dig deep, deep into the love of God. And out of that consolation, that guidance that we're seeking comes, I think, quite, quite naturally. So uh, may that fortify you in your prayer uh, this week. Um, a couple of practical things. Uh, if you didn't pick it up on the way in, pick up on the way out this blue sheet. So uh, we don't have a real clever name for this spiritual exercise. Uh, it was introduced to me when I uh, made the exercises about five years ago. They asked us to um, just bring some kind of an object that would symbolize our, uh, our experience of the Ignatian exercises. Uh, the reason that this is like concrete, we're not asking you at this point to like make a statement about what you got out of it, but instead this engages more that, that creative intuitive part of the mind. Um, and so it could be, it could be any, anything. Uh, Megan uh, Robbins, whom many of you know, um, she, um, in that early exercise of finding the, the desire and the treasure of the heart, um, she found in that treasure box a little golden shovel and um, that came to be of significance, like only to her, right? I mean, it's not like a universal symbol, a golden shovel, but somehow like she, she ordered some like pen, in this little like pendant thing of a golden shovel. I don't know where she found it. She must have just Googled golden shovel pen, you know, and lo and behold, there it was, you know. So it could be something like that, you know, where you just like, I don't know, you do some random search. Uh, we have, have artists come in and say, hey, this is a little thing I've been working on. Um, sometimes it's something as simple as, um, uh, like, just your journal. Like, this journal, like, this, this, is the this is, like, God's gospel to me. Like, my, this journal is the symbol of my, of my experience. So we're asking you, um, as the time comes to a close, um, to just, I don't know, sort of free association with these with these things that may symbolize your experience and when we gather together for our uh, our final retreat we'll ask you to actually bring that object with you and share that with um, your, your small group um, we, we might share a couple with the whole group as well but please don't feel any pressure to like have to produce something that 60 people look at you know uh, this needs to just be something that comes very uh, earnestly from your heart and then finally, just a last call for uh, the retreat. Um, we're do uh, Christy and I are leading kind of a, a mini retreat 
this Saturday for those who can't make it on the 18th. And we think we've captured all of you who are coming. Um, you should have received some kind of an email from Christy. But if you didn't receive an email from Christy and you're planning to come, please let us know. Uh, we can arrange this at the last minute. Um, we'll take lunch orders and that sort of thing the day of. So it's not a big deal, you know. We just, we just need to know you're coming. Um, and it will be almost the same uh, experience minus, I don't think we'll have Karis Buell leading worship. So it may not be quite as fancy, you know, uh, the smaller one on the 4th. But on the 18th, um, do consider this mandatory unless, like, you absolutely can't come. Um, because this really is meant to be an opportunity to really be a culminating um, experience um, for you. And it's also just a little bit of a, a, a taste of, um, of solitude, of silence, of some of those disciplines that you may not have had an opportunity to engage before. Um, last year we actually did an overnight um, silent retreat, uh, which was wonderful. It's just that most people were like, oh, that sounds scary, and they didn't come. So we thought, this time we'll just do a day retreat, so it won't maybe not be quite so overwhelming. And if you get a taste for that, you can always email me, and I will give you plenty of context for great places where you can take a silent retreat around here. Um, all right, that's it. Enjoy your groups, and uh, we will see you next week for our last uh, regular Tuesday night meeting.